0: Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Fairly Lame Podcast. As always, my name is Dom and this is your home of good environmental news from all around the world. This is episode 52, I believe, and a quick apologies if I do sound a bit strange today. Not feeling 100%, so apologies if the voice is a bit uh, extra nasally or whatever. Hopefully it is still bearable. I just couldn't, you know, there's so much good news out there, just had to talk about it all. Anyway, a uh, quick reminder before we get into today's topics: so head over to Instagram at fairly lame underscore uh, to catch all the visuals that go along with all of these stories and while you're over there make sure to chuck on your notifications so you see each and every time i post and you already know that it's going to be good environmental news but so these are the stories we're having a look at today koalas can be super hard to spot so researchers are using thermal drones to find them 14 times faster and some other researchers are satellite tracking deep diving seals to map the seafloor under the antarctic ice sheet concrete pyramids are being installed in florida to protect the coastline from climate disasters whilst also acting as incredible artificial reefs have reused 60 tons of coffee grounds to grow 14 tons of oyster mushrooms. New York's High Line used to be an abandoned elevated railway, but it's since been turned into an incredible floating walkway that features over 100,000 plants. And low emission zones are already in place all over the world and are saving billions of dollars in prevented healthcare costs. And another reminder to either comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or let me know over on Instagram at fairlylame underscore any good news or innovations that you come across so I can include them in next week's episode. But before we dive into our first story, I've got to let you guys know that 4ocean's August cause is dolphins. So as always, for every bracelet sold, 4ocean will remove five pounds of plastic from the sea. So you're providing jobs for 4ocean's full-time cleanup crews, as well as the incredibly talented Balinese artisans who make the stunning bracelets. And for our weekly check-in uh, for the amount of plastic 4ocean have removed, they're now up to, at the time of recording, they're now up to... 31.1 million pounds of plastic removed, all thanks to you guys uh, doing the incredible work and in getting around their just amazing organisation. If you're interested in learning more about their efforts, you can find all the links to their website down in the description or bio down below. And while you're over there, if you decide to make a purchase, make sure to use the code lame or one word to get 20% off store wide, but into our first story. Koalas are super hard to spot even when they're right in front of you, so thermal drones are being used to find them 14 times faster. A government report has highlighted that without urgent intervention to protect them from habitat loss, infectious diseases, and road-related fatalities, koalas could be extinct by 2050. But if we want to address these pressures, we need to know where exactly koalas actually are in the first place. Previous methods of searching for them might just find one koala in seven hours, but in this same time, thermal drones can find 14. And this ability to find large numbers of koalas so fast could significantly influence decisions such as whether to approve new housing developments and roads or prioritise habitat protection. Additionally, it's much more effective to use drones to scout out new areas where disease-free isolated populations are predicted to occur as they can sweep the landscape faster than humans. This technology also helps conservation organizations with limited budgets by allowing them to call in vets and koala catches only when they have a koala that's ready to be caught, rather than paying them thousands of dollars per day just to have them help search. And if they do find any, those extremely valuable healthy individuals could either be used for captive breeding programs to help bolster other groups, or the offspring of those programs could be released into these populations, rather than reintroducing them into areas where there are koalas with the diseases they'll just spread to the new individuals. And a team of researchers from a South Australian university found the drones who have no physiological impact on the koalas as their presence was not seen to affect their heart or breathing rates as long as they stayed more than 15 metres away. And so moving on from using drones to track down koalas, our next story is looking at a new innovative conservation tool, if you want to call it that. Satellite track seals are helping researchers map the ocean under ice sheets and have already made some pretty incredible discoveries. As the waters blow, the ice are super hard to reach. The depth and profile of the sea floor was previously estimated using a variety of mathematical calculations, but it turns out these have the potential to be extremely wrong. To find out just how inaccurate these models might be, a project's been going on for the last 20 years involving satellite tracking Waddell and elephant seals. As these seals are known to dive down to the deep seabed in pursuit of squid and fish, researchers came up with the ingenious idea of tracking their dive depths to obtain a rough understanding of where the seafloor actually is. Satellite trackers capable of recording depth, temperature, and salinity are harmlessly glued to the seals, and this information is transmitted back to short each time they resurface for air. The researchers found that in some areas, a quarter of their depth estimates were wrong, as the seals were found to be diving hundreds of metres below the predicted bottom. And in the most extreme case, they were getting 1,000 metres deeper than what was previously thought to be possible. But besides this, one of the biggest discoveries was that of a 2,000 metre long deep sea trench that will allow scientists to further investigate how much water is melting from the ice sheets. As for the well-being of the seals, the trackers only weigh roughly 1% of their body weight and will easily fall off when the animals molt. And there's no evidence of the devices impacting their foraging or development, nor has there been any sign of the seals trying to remove them or scratch them off. And I wonder if we'll see more of this type of research, as cameras mounted on tiger sharks uncovered the world's largest seagrass meadow in the Bahamas last year, that increased known global seagrass coverage by 40%. And so, following on from that super interesting technique, our next story is looking at an incredible new way to protect our coast from storms. Concrete pyramids are helping protect the shore from climate disasters, whilst also doubling as artificial reefs. Over 800 of them are being installed at the base of Florida's iconic Skyway Bridge to protect critical infrastructure from storms as the existing seawall is ineffective and constantly needing repairs. These 13,000 pound structures will form a barrier 200 feet from shore as their hollow triangle design makes them perfect for deflecting wave energy while still allowing water and sand to reach the beach behind them. And being hollow also means that a wide variety of fish can swim inside to find shelter and forage and as they don't alter the water chemistry they're perfect for things like oysters, barnacles and corals to grow on. Additionally these pyramids serve as valuable roosting habitats for shorebirds providing them with a safe haven to rest on without having to worry about humans and our pets. It's also expected that when the installation is complete, eight acres of seagrass will grow in the calmer shoreside waters, providing even more habitat and food for marine life, as well as storing over 2,500 tonnes of carbon per year. And for boats, these massive structures will only be partially submerged, sticking out of the water by around three feet, and when paired with beacons and signage, they should be pretty hard to miss. And maybe best of all, this whole project will only cost $5 million, and when you consider the wide range of benefits, both in terms of biodiversity, but also mitigating climate disasters, this seems like a pretty big win to me. So from Coastal Climate Protection, for our next story, we're going to be having a look at how coffee waste is being used to grow mushrooms. Every year, a staggering 6 million tonnes of coffee grounds are discarded, but some remarkable organisations are finding a second purpose for this so-called waste. One of these companies is belgium based Permafungi, who have been able to reuse over 60 tonnes of grounds to cultivate an impressive 14 tonnes of oyster mushrooms. They collect the coffee on bike from local cafes and restaurants, mix it with straw and oyster mushroom spores, pack it into bags, and leave it in a dark incubation room until the whole mixture is white from the mycelium. The bags are then moved into another room where a shock of light air and humidity triggers the mushrooms to develop and when harvested they're then sold back to the same places that contributed to the coffee. And the organic metal left behind can be used for two things. It can either be inoculated again with a different type of fungus and transformed into mushroom packaging or housing insulation or simply just used as compost. At the moment they do grow the mushrooms in plastic bags but they are investigating more sustainable alternatives such as using buckets but they do sell reusable at home kits so you can grow your own mushrooms using your coffee waste. And so for our next story, we're looking at an incredible project over in New York that transformed an abandoned railway into an urban oasis that I am extremely jealous of. An abandoned aerial railway was transformed into a stunning 1.5 mile long sky garden. The line was originally used to move freight across New York, but when trucks took over, it was no longer needed and meant to be demolished. However, the two founders of the Highline project set out to protect this unique bit of New York history, but the only problem was they didn't exactly know what to do with it. So they opened an ideas competition where anyone could submit their thoughts on what the structure could be useful, with some of the more interesting ones being to turn it into a mile long lap pool or an urban roller coaster. But ultimately, after a photographer captured the structure's beauty and thousands of wildflowers, the concept of creating a floating nature walk in the heart of New York took root. The city revoked the demolition order and donated $115 million that allowed the Skyline team to get to work and design a path that had the look and feel of a modern park while still preserving the history. Phase 3 of the project was complete back in 2014, and the incredible walkway now features over 1,200 trees and 110 plants from 500 different species. And I can only imagine how much work goes into keeping it looking so stunning, as due to its location, it faces two massive challenges. The first one being that as it's in the air, the temperature can be up to 10 degrees hotter or colder, and it's even more brutal because the plants are exposed to it from above and below. And on top of this, as there's always construction going on, the conditions are constantly changing. For example, a new skyscraper could turn an area that used to experience full sun into a shaded one, whilst creating new wind corridors and rain shadows. But maybe that's also some of the appeal of the walkway that is constantly evolving and changing with the city. In all, the project is said to have stimulated over $5 billion in urban development and created 12,000 jobs on top of all the other environmental and health benefits as well. And now for our last story in this week's episode of the Fairly Lame Podcast, as always, make sure to send over any good environmental news or innovations that you come across so I can include them in next week's episode. Low emission zones are already saving billions of dollars in avoided healthcare costs around the world. Currently, there are over 300 of these zones across the UK, Europe, and Japan, each with the aim of improving air quality by reducing the amount of heavily polluting vehicles and the way they're implemented is by setting vehicle emission standards and using automatic cameras to monitor all the cars that enter the zone and then based on the information that's attached to its registration if the car doesn't meet the standards the owners charged a fee which varies from city to city but for example in London it's 12 pounds 50 these zones are having a real impact as across the city London's one has reduced toxic emissions by 23% and dangerous fine particles by seven thanks to an impressive 94% compliance rate and globally a German study examining the hospital records of 69 cities with the zones identified a 3% reduction in heart related issues and a 12% decrease in strokes resulting in estimated health savings of 4.4 billion euros. The mayor of London says the health and environmental burden of the emissions from these heavily polluting vehicles justifies the action and the money that will be spent to help those in need meet the goal. For example in London a 110 million pound scrappage scheme is being rolled out to help people either retrofit or scrap their older cars. Additionally they're extending the grace period for certain vehicles like those used by small businesses and charities as well as groups like people with disabilities, whilst also offering more free public transport passes. So, guys, that will do us for episode 52 of the Fairly Lame podcast. And, again, another apology if it does sound a bit strange or I sound a bit strange. Not feeling 100%, but hopefully by next week, we're back to, uh, uh, what's the saying? All engines a go? Something like that, some rocket term. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good rest of the day, whatever the hell you're doing. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.